Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. This is so wonderful to be here with you today, and I'm, I'm, I have to say, uh, I have Arlie back with me. You remember Arlie? He's our wonderful co-host and coming to us from Mexico. So exciting to have him with me. I'm very happy about that. I was just at the dentist. I'm frozen. If I sound strange, my whole upper lip is numb, so it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Anyway, um, I have a Frankie Sense moment that I want to share with you. Uh, today, you know, given the timing of the year and everything, I, I'm going to say today is about family. And you know how I like to align my show with the Global Goals Initiative. Well, today, uh, I want to talk about family. What is family? Because, you know, some people think it's a mom and a dad and a couple of kids. Uh, it could be a sister and a brother like Notoria Nicole, who's going to show up here in a little bit with her brother, Jay. Could be a band like a literacy. Uh, Will, who's with us, you know, two brothers and two friends are, um, you know, they've been together since the age of six, making music together. And maybe it's like a husband and wife team, Than and Megan, who will be with us in a little bit, who help children find parents. Or Arlie and, and Gary, who, you know, are together and have taken in their nephew to raise. Some people say that friends are the family that we choose for ourselves. And I think that's more than true. But no matter what your family looks like, if there are people in your family who love and care about you, you have family. And, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas are kind of two holidays that make us all wish that maybe we had that kind of Norman Rockwell version of family. Mom, pop, sis, brother, and a dog. Uh, the perfect family. Yeah, you know, sometimes what we see on the outside isn't always what's going on in the inside. And that white picket fence could be hiding spousal abuse. It could be hiding child neglect. So when we're on the outside looking in, it's really easy to get caught up in the packaging. You know, my own family uh, grew exponentially this year. I I have two new daughter-in-laws and a son-in-law. We had twin grandsons born just this past August, making that three grandchildren. And, you know, while all of that is really amazing, it makes me uh, think more about the global family, uh, brothers and sisters around the world, those that we call humanity, because uh, they too are our family. And I'm sure that, you know, these Syrian refugees are on all our minds. And Arlie, you know, don't they say that we all come from two strands of DNA? Have you heard that? That in some way we're all related? Oh, now we're going to go scientific. That's completely <laughs> the wrong direction for me. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to relate this to, to global goal number one, to end extreme poverty. And what does family have to do with that? Well, you know, there are people who are living on less than a dollar twenty-five a day. And that's what uh, the United Nations calls extreme poverty. And I wouldn't let my dog live in the conditions that some people live in. Uh, how can I let my family, you know, my big global family out there, live that way. It's, uh, I'm not religious, but I think it was Kane who asked, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And I'd have to say, yeah, I am. 
if we treated humanity, human beings like family, then no one would live in abject poverty. No one would die of malnutrition. No child would be left alone to raise itself and everyone would benefit. So... Absolutely. And, you know, on that note, um, you know, poverty is such an interesting, you know, worldwide phenomena, considering that we produce more food in the world every day than the total of humanity could possibly eat. So why are we having this issue with poverty? I've never understood that. Well, I know I did a show not that long ago, um, you know, with a, a food uh, food guy, I'm going to call him a food guy, who who you know, said they, they throw away so much food and vegetables in the grocery store because it doesn't look pretty. Like, you know, tons of food that Absolutely. lots and lots of people could be eating. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, Nelson, Mand- there's a lot of noise on the line. I, think, I don't know if we need to um, uh, do something, but sorry. Uh, my producer's talking. No, Gail's not on this show. She's not on this show. Don't call her. Um, Nelson Mandela said said it best you know he said in this new century millions of people in the world's poorest countries remain imprisoned enslaved and in chains they're trapped in the prison of poverty it's time to set them free like slavery and apartheid poverty is not natural it's man-made and it can be overcome and eradicated by the actions of human beings and overcoming poverty is not a gesture of charity it's an act of justice it's the protection of a fundamental human right the right to dignity and a decent life and while poverty persists there's no true freedom nelson mandela love absolutely. it absolutely and you know that also works in tandem with a lot of the organizations that are you know fighting for their lives and their goals are you know, like Megan and Tan you know their goals are to you know help and to distribute and to you know offer opportunities but yet these organizations are struggling themselves and it's amazing to me the amount of as you mentioned the amount of food that is wasted that could be redistributed in many many ways I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's a really bad connection. Maybe, um, I'm sorry, it's a really bad connection with that phone. I'm not. No, I'm on my Skype. Not you. Not you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Not you, Arlie. Okay. Um, yeah, the food, this food scarcity, and, and, and you know, it's, it's a really big issue today. But we're going to talk about family and not food scarcity right now because that's another show, Arlie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let, let's, bring, let's bring Notoria on, Notoria Nicole. Let's see what she has to say. She is the president and CEO of Double NW Entertainment, and this is her company, and it will consist of books and merchandise and eventually movies because she's a screenwriter. And... She she has written a book loosely based on her brother, Jay, who she is a guardian of, uh, and she calls it E.J. and Sis. And E.J. and Sis are, uh, is a book um, of color. For You know, she's putting color back into books for, for those folks who are tired of, you know, not tired of, but don't see themselves represented in print, let's say. Notoria Nicole, hi. Welcome. Hi. How are you guys doing? We're doing really well. How is it going today? Are you in Florida today? Yes, I am. And it's really nice today. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> yeah, I yesterday, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yesterday it was Jay's birthday. He turned nine yesterday. And um, we tried to have a little get-together at the park, but the wind and um, it, the wind was terrible. And the wind made it cooler, and it was just not fun. 
Well, you know, we mentioned family, and, and you are raising your little brother. Now, you have five siblings. Is that correct? Yes, that, that is correct. Okay. And how did you come to be the one to raise your, your brother? Um, well, I will just say this. Um, our mom is not a bad person, but she uh-huh. has never been a real mother. You know those people that, you know, they kind of just want to do their own thing? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I noticed some things, and I, was, I used to live in Palm Beach County, and um, I noticed some things when I would come home, and, you know, he wasn't progressing, you know, the way that I felt he should. And, you know, I just kind of made a decision to um, make sure that he had a, a really good life, and that's it, really. I mean, he's my brother, and what am I gonna, I'm not going to leave him, you know, so I made the decision. That's awesome. That's, you know, really stepping up to the plate, Notoria. How how did you come to write, you know, think about writing this book? Like the book that I read, the first book that you wrote is, um, it's about discipline. It's about right. um, communication. communication. Mm-hmm. You know, the most important thing really is, is that we speak to our children. And, yes, you know, that was... That was one thing that I made really clear with my kids. Like, my kids tell me everything. And it was always, you could tell me every, anything. If you, I don't care if you did something wrong. As long as you tell me, then you're not going to get in trouble. But if you don't tell me and I find out, you're going to get in big, big trouble. Well, the way I talk to Jay is, you know, if you do something wrong and you tell me, you, will, you may probably still get in trouble. It depends on what you did. But don't you know, not tell me, because I, if I find out by myself, you're going to be disciplined more. And th- that's the thing that I always tell him, you know, don't be afraid. If you did something wrong, don't be afraid to say, yes, I did it. You know, we're going to learn from it and we're going to move on. I don't dwell on things. I'm not a person that's going to bring back something that he did, you know, three days ago. Right. You know, that's, that's not the kind of person I am. Yeah, I don't like that kind of person myself. I don't, I don't hold a grudge. You know, right. you have your discipline, it's over, done slate swipe clean and away you go so what exactly. made you decide to write about um a, somebody being disciplined so let's tell the, the story of the book is that that uh ej is at school and mm-hmm. he you know decides to push a, a child down the slide because the kid was just sitting there and wasn't going and right. unfortunately um you know he, he was found out and got into trouble and when he got into trouble he decided to have a temper tantrum instead of just saying, yes, I know I did something wrong. Right. So, so, so what made you write that book? Is that an incident that really happened? Well, the, the timeout part is very real, but the rest is really a story. To be honest with you, Jay has never thrown a temper tantrum with me. Um, he, I, my mom tells me that he did, you know, with her when he was younger, but I've never, I've never experienced that. But really, um, the book just came from, you know, me knowing that I was going to have to discipline him eventually, and I wanted to do it in a healthy way. Um, you know, and that's kind of how it started. And I didn't really know I was writing books. Um, I really thought that I was just, you know, just writing just a story, you know. But mm-hmm. when I wrote that first story, um, more came. And so the book, EJ Insists, is really a, a series, and Time Out Learning Tool is just the first title. Now, did you go to school? Did you go to college or anything to learn to write books about no not, not to write no i've always had a um a talent for writing but i i do um i did study psychology and uh child psychology but it has nothing to do with you know the book it's just you know it's just a talent notoria did you do the illustrations as well 
I sure didn't. I wish I could take credit for that, but I yeah, sure they're did phenomenal. Not. Um, my publisher, um, Tate Publishing, they found um, a couple awesome illustrators, and um, I'm so sorry, but their names escape me right now. But uh, they found some really awesome illustrators who actually listened to me, and um, actually the characters, the whole book was really redone um, a couple times because I wasn't happy with the way things were, you know, as far as the color and you know, things of that nature, especially the main two characters. Okay, Natori, um, I'm gonna but, have to I'm gonna have to cut you off here just for a minute because we have to go to break in a few seconds. But when okay. we come back, stay tuned, stay close because we're gonna find out more about all of our guests in just a moment. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Thinking before drinking is good advice. Most of our favorite drinks are loaded with calories. Whether it's our much-loved soda, coffee drink, or energy drink, we are drinking a large portion of our calories every day. Liquid calories now account for a whopping 21% of our daily calorie intake. That is equal to 400 calories a day and is two times more than we drank 30 years ago. Pure water has zero calories, and the importance is an undeniable fact. The trend has been to drink bottled water, but research has proven that bottled water isn't any better than the water that comes from your tap. Women's Health Magazine says that 40% of all bottled water is taken from municipal water sources. Don't be afraid to save money or time and get your water from your tap. Be sure to think before you drink. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back. Welcome back to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Arlie is with me in the house, and we've been talking to Notoria Nicole, who has written a book, EJ Sis... I'm sorry. <laughs> Notoria, it's called? EJ and Sis, Time Learning Sis. Tools. There you go. And we were just talking about the phenomenal graphics that are illustrations that are in your book, and they are really, really well done. That uh, Amazingly well done. Um, yes, it was did, a good, it's a good, good book. They did. Yes, what age, did what age range um, did you write this for? Um, this one, because of the subject title, I think it's good for eight and under. You know, because I don't really feel you can keep throwing, you know, kind of putting kids in timeout as they get older. By the time mm-hmm. they turn nine, like, Jay doesn't go to timeout anymore. Um, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't go. If he does something that warrants him, you know, to be disciplined, either, you know, he will go in his room for, it can be called a longer timeout, 
or really, I don't even do timeout with him anymore. I really just, I would take something away from him. Like, he, okay. he had the curio, and that's the number one thing I would take away from him is his curio. But that doesn't happen very often. i got to be honest with you. So um, what are some of the other series titles and the subjects? It looks like what you're doing is creating a wonderfully illustrated guide to help non-parents understand mm -hmm. how to discipline as well. Well, I wouldn't, okay, I, I can see why you say that, but I want to, you know, make it really clear that I am not trying to tell parents how to raise their kids. I definitely am not. A lot of people um, don't think time out works. I think it works. And a lot of people do think it works. So I want to make sure that people understand that this is not, you know, someone that hasn't even had children, you know, telling me how to raise, you know, my child. That is not, that is not it. I, the reason that I wanted actually this one to be first was because of the message, because I think it's so important to have good communication with kids. And when you have good communication with kids, you will notice that their behavior is better. Oh, yes. What a, that's yeah, a wonderful so, observation. Yes. And so the second book um, is going to be called uh, Sports Day, and it's completely different. Every book, every title, every su subject is completely different. And this one is just about sports, actually. And um, I actually had sent a, a manuscript copy to Katrina Adams. She's over the USTA um, Association. She's the president. And it took her a long time to get back to me, but she, she actually did um, get back to me last month, and she loves it. So I'm really looking forward to that one coming out um, next year. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you for that. And, and you know, you did mention that, that it really was um, a book represented. You wanted to put color into the books. So yeah. you, you wanted to write books for children of color because you haven't seen any out there, really. Is that? Well, but you didn't want people who weren't colored not to buy your book. <laughs> so, exactly. That's, exa that's what I want to make sure. You know, um, I read today all the time, you know, several times a week. He reads on his own. And one of the things that I did notice is that many of the books that have black people in them are very um, hard subjects. You know, they talk about race, they talk about civil rights and all that stuff, and all that is great. But I like to read just regular kids' book stories, and that's what I wrote, regular right. kids' book stories. Every single child, every single child will be able to relate to every single book of this series because the, it, they are just regular kid stories. They are not, it's not anything hard. It's not anything difficult. It doesn't talk about race or anything. They're just, it, it's diversity. Kids. You know, it's They're diversity. Just kids. Yeah, I keep my brother around diversity. He plays tennis. He plays baseball. And the reason I wanted him to go into tennis, and I'm glad that he loves it, is because there are so many different kids that different um, ethnicities that play tennis. I never want him to just be around black people. You know, right. I want him to be comfortable being around everybody, and that is what I'm doing. Well, that's perfect. It's a great way to raise your kids, uh, for sure, for sure. I want to, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you, everybody's experience is so different, and, you know, here you, you thought, well, I'm going to write books for children, um, you know, of color because you wanted them to be represented in a book. And, you know, I want to talk to Stan and Megan from Hope Project right now because they also deal with lots of children, but I'm sure that they even those children wouldn't be able to see themselves in a book of that nature because they don't, I don't even think they have a playground where they live. And Than and Megan, you, you are both pastors, I, I believe. And, and you have been, um, you built Hope Project International and 
you've been, you know, going on trips to Nicaragua, and I think you're, you're working in Nicaragua mostly now with children, and you're working with other charities as a, as a bridge, if I understand, to help them um, get more of the things that they need. Is that correct? That's correct. We actually worked in the local church here in the U.S. for about 10 years as kids pastors, and the whole time working with different kids from different backgrounds, you know, different social economic situations, we always wanted to do more. We wanted to find more ways to help more kids in more areas. And that's what kind of led us to do the international thing, where we kind of took local church in America, started our own organization, and began looking for people that we could help around the world. Oh, you do have a you, you are you do have an after school program though, don't you? Well we in- we we're always searching for partners. You know, we wanted to partner with people locally in Central Florida and then, you know, nationally and then around the world. And we kind of started a partnership with a program that had an after-school situation going on. It didn't really stick. It's not something we're currently doing, but we have helped them in the past. Well, I just, oh, you're both in Florida, notorious in Florida, and you guys are in Florida. Maybe, you know, if you need some books, she can help you out. <laughs> yes, where are you at? Yeah, we live in Lakeland, Florida. It's in Central Florida between Tampa and Orlando. Oh, yeah, I know, Lakeland. Okay, yeah, okay, yes, keep talking about your organization. I would definitely look it up. Well, give us your, give us your web address, Dan. Uh, HopeProjectIMTL.com. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. Hope Project. Um, and, and I love, you know, because pretty much that's what at the Good Radio, when I started the Good Radio, that's what we were doing as well. We're helping projects who are already on the ground, but helping them help themselves, I guess, and, and helping to, to bridge that gap for them and help people find them and help people, uh, you know, support them in, in, in all kinds of different ways. So what are you doing with the children? Are you, are you looking for, um, are you looking for parents for them? Are you looking for homes for them to build homes? Like what, what is it that you would like people like ourselves, the listeners to, to help with Hope International or Hope Project? Uh well, we, we currently, um, there's two ways people can, can help. Um, they can give financially to help us um, help the kids, um, and then they can go and actually serve um, the children and families themselves. And, and one of the ways that we serve the families in Nicaragua currently um, is we build um, home structures for, for these families in need. And um, they, it, the um, structures are very, it's a very humble structure, but it mm-hmm. gets them off of um, the dirt and under it puts a roof over their heads and and provides them with with a with a home and so those are the two ways that we um are looking for help from people megan what how much would it cost to build one of a home I, I guess it's like sheet um using metal sheet and from what it, i saw in your video is that i half of the home is a a, a made out of a large stone that's quarried it's almost like a you use it like a cinder block, but it's larger and heavier, and it's, it's a solid stone. Um, mm-hmm. And then the half home is, is like a sheet uh, metal. And um, it's $1,000 per home to build a home, but that includes um, we hired local labor to help our teams, and mm-hmm. we build um, a home with the appropriate bedding. And so that includes that's all inclusive of all the materials, the local labor, and the, the furniture. And so. Wow, and the furniture, too. Absolutely. That's incredible. That's incredible. And and I noticed in your video that you know you talked about you were feeding children. Right. And and what would a, what would a family need to do in order to get you to help build them a home? Like, what would they have to do? 
But we partner with a local um, Nicaraguan pastor, and he um, actually lives in the community where we build the homes. And Mm -hmm. um, he's always got his eye out for families that are in in need. And so um, when he knows that we're coming, he starts looking for a family that needs a home, and then he tells us which family gets a home. And it's really um, children that are involved um, in the feeding program at his church or parents that are involved in his church that – that how he, how he gets to know the families that need a home, and um, but he's just out in the community looking looking for families that who who which family is the next family that needs the home the most. Right, and they have over 150 kids from that local community that participate in the program at the church. And so wow, that's, how they're kind of, that's a lot of kids. Yeah, that's amazing. Really- I love your story, though. You know, I love your story, how you guys, you know, you're married and then you were just playing the what if game. What if we had like a million dollars and, you know, where would we live and what kind of house would we buy and build and, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, You know, I probably buy an Audi R8 and then you look at it and you go, wait a second, we could take all that money and help all these people. That's awesome. I love you guys for that. Thank you. Do you guys have do you guys have kids yet? We do. We have a three-year-old boy. Um, he doesn't go with us to Nicaragua at this time because he's a three-year-old boy. He's working. Yeah. And in Nicaragua, we work. We're working hard all day, every day. So it, it was. It's a little bit of distraction to have him with us yeah. when we're there. How long do you stay yeah. for? What's that? How long do you stay for when you go? We usually stay for about a week at a time um, oh, okay. when we go. And our son, he like he really wants to go. Uh, oh, for sure. He knows one one way is he knows we go to an active volcano. And he believes we're uh. a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the old dinosaur <laughs> and the volcano trick. Yeah, Arlie, you wanted to ask him about the Baja kids. Yeah, you know, I work very closely and directly with an organization. Um, called the La Mission Children's Fund, and it's in Baja, California. And we run into a lot of unique issues with um, institutional problems, government um, problems. And I was wondering if you have any um, issues like that in Guatemala where the government is uh, asking you to get permits for certain things or you have regulatory processes you have to go through. It's really quite interesting what we go through in Baja. All right, well, the Nicaraguan government has really open, I think, to the type of work we do, you know, groups coming in to help to do humanitarian effort to kind of uh, help the people that are there. And, you know, it helps the government when people come in and help their people. And so they're open to what we do, and uh, we really haven't run into any of that. Now, our partners on the ground there may have a different story as far as, you know, what they deal with with the government. But as far as us coming in, a couple, you know, a week at a time throughout the year, we haven't had any issues. Right. Well, you know, it's really about family. It's not about government. And sometimes I think they forget that. Yeah. I wanted to know, I'm sorry, I just wanted to know, is, is there an issue with the government adopting children out of the country? I know in, in Uganda, the government cracked down that you're, you're not, outsiders aren't allowed to adopt children anymore. Oh, I got 30 seconds left. We have to go to break shortly. But keep that one in mind, because when I come back, I'd like to know about that. And um <laughs> we're gonna hear. We're gonna hear from more from Than and Megan. We're gonna hear more from Notoria Nicole, and we're gonna be hearing from Illiteracy, a rap band, and we want to hear their single "Kingdom." I can't wait to hear it. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. 
Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Recently, I was returning from a summer vacation using my GPS to guide me through the New Mexico mountains and got lost. Since I was alone, I decided to see if my iPhone pal Siri, the lovable anthropomorphic virtual assistant, could help with my situation. Siri has earned a bit of a reputation as a sarcastic, sassy, and brickety companion, often engaging in humorous baffle gab. Siri is entertaining, but I found it a bit unnerving as she kept asking me questions by calling my name, like, Carolyn, I cannot find any gas stations within 80 miles of your location. Or, Carolyn, there are no hamburger restaurants near here. What's a word for feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. And we're back. I'm back. Are you still with us? I hope so. <laughs> we were hoping you're still with us. Well, we're, we were just speaking to Stan and Megan before we went to our little break there, our commercial break. And I had asked them what the government was, um, how they were about adopting children out of the country. Do you, what, what is the state of that? Well, in the past, they've been very open to adoption. Uh, we actually work with an orphanage there that over the last 14 years has helped kids kind of come back from nutritional struggles and then seeing over 200 kids adopted out of their orphanage. But wow. really the orphan, wow. orphan changed a lot in Nicaragua over the last month, really. And so it, it's kind of changing, and I think you have to look in in the next six months and see what happens in the area of adoption in Nicaragua. So what are the most common issues as to why the children are in the orphanages there? A, a lot you know, abandonment, uh, malnutrition. Uh, a lot of kids are just found in the streets. Uh, a lot of times families will realize, you know, I can't take care of my child, and, and they'll actually kind of give them to the government. And we worked with New Life Nicaragua, which is a renutrition center and an orphanage at the time, and the government would actually funnel kids to them, knowing that they could bring them back to health, you know, address their needs, and then and help them become adopted. Wow. Um, that's incredible. I mean, we were talking about abject poverty at the beginning of the show, and it doesn't get more abject than that when parents give up their children because they can't afford them anymore. It's really sad. Really, really sad. Well, you know, I think, I think some of those parents actually are leaving the country to go work in other countries, and they feel they can't take the children with them. And that was a unique issue that we ran into here in one of our orphanages is that, you know, parents were bringing their kids there for the day and then never came back. Ooh. Wow. That's crazy. 
I can't imagine, you know, leaving a child. It must be the most difficult thing for them. But I, I guess in their minds, it's, it's, you know, the grace of they're going to be looked after. Somebody's going to look after them way better than I can. Right. And, and so it's really the ultimate sacrifice, isn't it? Uh, yes. Let's hang in there. I want to, I want to talk to um, Will Spitwell, uh, a.k.a. He has a real name. <laughs> But he's with a band, Illiteracy. Illiteracy. How do you guys like to pronounce it? It's just illiteracy. You really have to see it on paper to appreciate it and try it. Yeah. But you you guys have been together since 1998. Four of you. Two are brothers. Two are friends. You came together. You met at T-Ball. And and I... You know, it's an oxymoron, this illiteracy, because you were honor roll students. So I'm sure you all read and speak (laughs) (laughs) and you rap and you rap really well. Your words are, are, you know, quite visual. So how did all this come about? Well, we've all, we've always just had like, you know, uh, just. Uh Oh, he's breaking up on music. Oh, we totally broke up on us. Let's try that again. Are you still with us, Will? You know what? Um, maybe we can play his, his music and get him back. Let's play Kingdom. This is their hit, Kingdom. Beginning of a run-on sentence Well scouted like Samoas and Thin Mints While they chase commas, grammar police Cause cuffing those means the end of struggle Start of lavish existence, partly Welcome to life in the crosshairs Hopefully only a camera, not a blammer With the hammer cock locked on your silhouette One eye from high Above the spot you occupy, make it so you're not there Eliminate the threat, so definitive No pill popping, ill is limitless So surreal stopping something moving this long Kinetic eminence We what the future looks like, they no resemblance Slamming the brakes on a bullet train Probably the closest thing to grinding like us that you'll experience So I toast to the brothers fate chose for me Kick it like the dickens when I'm gone, place hold for me Multiple mic rooms, camera with a nice zoom Working, find time to live like the end of life soon Tell them you love them, they still here Cause when they gone, death out of left field, real tears So much more than dope beats and silver tongues you know, that, that's you, Will, in, in the opening of, of that kingdom. And it's, I mean, I've got the words in front of me, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with it just a little bit, but I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, God is an influence in, in your life and that you, you have escaped, I'm, I'm thinking that the, you know, the violence, the guns, and all the other stuff, and you're saying kind of no to that, there's another way out. Yeah, absolutely. That's 100% correct. So do you you find, you know, a lot of people believe that rap music is about anger, but uh, clearly yours is not. Do you find that to be a hurdle in your promotion of your work? I think we don't we don't consider ourselves rappers. 
no, and we don't consider illiteracy a rap group. We are what I like to call a pop culture entity. I mean, we're, okay. we're influenced by the world around us and receptive to what's going on around us. And at the same time, the negative that's out there, we, we choose not to reflect on that. Like, we all see it. You know, we're, we're all uh, involved with it. We all are affected by it. But that's not what we choose to to personify and kind of put that image out there because there's already enough of it out there. Right. Yes, that's not, yes. But my, my, my point was, I was just wondering if you find it difficult to market your music when people have that type of an opinion about the genre. And I apologize for calling it rap music. Harley, <laughs> <laughs> that was rap. Come on. I don't, I don't feel like there's a hurdle. I honestly don't because if, if you take the time to actually give it a listen, then you'll see for yourself that it's not, it's not the typical rap music that people are used to. Right. That's true. And, and, you know, that's why I asked for the words. And it was funny when I first I asked Chris for the words. And he goes, Why? And I go, because words are important when you listen to music. You know, if you're if you're a songwriter, you you took time to write those words. And, oh, absolutely. And I think it's important to hear them, absolutely. the message. You know, it, yeah. in your uh, on your site, it said that um, your moms were big influences. God was an influence, as were your scornful fathers. What does that mean? Um, I mean, the dads are usually the. Uh the disciplinarians in a household. Okay. And uh, something also contrary to a lot of rap lyrics, all of our fathers are still alive. All of our fathers are still in our households. You know what nice. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Families are complete. We're, yeah, we're, we were affected by that in a, in a positive way. Like, you know, dad's going to lay the law down when, when the time comes or when need be, but that's not a negative thing. And did you have a timeout or did you get the belt? Um, I think I got my last whipping from my mom, actually, when <laughs> I was probably 10 or between 10 and 12 years old. Well, it was still legal. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will, I read here that you, um, when you were young, you, you guys got together and you were gathering around a computer with a a plastic computer microphone so did did you and it said that you didn't really have a mission in, in mind at that point but was your goal to create this group no not at all we were just enjoying each other's company you know brothers doing what brothers do just hanging out trying to be creative trying to trying to have fun and stay out of trouble for the most part uh, illiteracy really took on a whole other thing of its own at the prodding of some of our peers that heard what we were doing or wanted to be involved in it and encouraged us to keep going or to actually go further with it. Is this Run your that? full-time job right now? No, it's not. No, this is actually something we're scrambling to do with every spare minute we have, all oh, okay. of us. But you're not like brain surgeons or anything, are you? <laughs> you probably are. No, I'm actually active duty military are you oh, oh well wow. thank you so much for your service absolutely thank you i i, I was wondering um did you, you you heard notoria nicole at the beginning of the show and the books that she's writing did did you feel that because you're younger i can tell you're, you're a bit younger um did you feel that when you were growing up that that books lacked color that would you have liked to have seen a book 
you know, a, a child's book, storybook that, that had black children in it? Sure. I mean, that that would have been something immediately recognizable and relatable. But I don't feel like during the era that I grew up in that, you know, things were as tense as they are now. Or maybe I was just oblivious to it back then. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's really positive that, you know, there are more diverse uh, outputs that people are uh, putting in circulation these days. I do appreciate that. Well, you know, I think one thing that's changed a lot of how we see our cultures is the, you know, phenomenon of the Internet. The Internet has opened up and, you know, there's sort of an ambiguity about who you're chatting with or who you're talking to. And I think people take an opportunity to to say things that they wouldn't normally say to your face. And that can be a blessing and it can also be a terror. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I agree. Yeah, we that that is people. true. Internet um, it, yes. Um, last week was anti-bullying week, and um, one of the things that is really important to me as well, because I do have a now nine-year-old little brother, is you know talking to him about you know bullying and things of that nature. And um, the one of the worst things is cyberbullying. But from what I understand, kids they still stay on there. It's like they still keep those. Um, pages or whatever you want to call them on Facebook and things like that. They still, even if, even when they're receiving negativity from their peers, they still stay on there, and that's one thing that I do not understand. Well, that they might, relive that the might moment over and over for another book. Yeah, maybe I don't know. You know, there there right now there are ten stories, just one book, and like I said, the next one is coming out next um, next year around March. And I also want to say one thing too. Yeah, um, yes, you know, my characters are black. The reason they're black is because obviously we are black. But I want right. to say, you know, that if someone sees our book, you know, on Amazon or, you know, in a Barnes and Noble, and if they bypass, you know, my book because the characters on the cover are black, they are doing a disservice to their child. Because, oh, like I, I agree. Said, oh, yes, absolutely. Every, yes, every single book, you know, is just a regular kid's book story. And I don't it want is. people, yeah, I don't want people to say, oh, you know, there is a black book. It's not. It's, it's a right. diverse book. Diversity is important. We need diverse books. It is diverse. And it, you're right. It's not a black book. Um, you don't, you don't speak uh, with eubonics. It's not, it's not super hip or anything. It's no, just a no. kid. No, proper English. <laughs> very proper important. English. I'm, I'm an English major. I majored in English. Mm-hmm. Um, speech is very important to me. It is important. That's why we have to go to a commercial break right now, but we will be back in just a moment. Stay tuned and stay close. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
Hey, my horoscope in the coffee news says I'm going to make a big change in my life. Wow, I love the ads in the coffee news and trying to find Cuppy to win prizes. Yeah, and the fun facts and trivia are killer too. Hey, maybe we should advertise our business in there. I hear it's very inexpensive and everybody I know reads it. Awesome idea! Let's call 903-283-0203 or go to coffeenewstyler.com and get her done. What's that number again? It's 903-283-0203. coffeenewstyler.com And welcome back. We're back with all of our friends here. Notori Nicole, Will, Dan and Megan, and of course, Arlie and Frankie are here. Wow. Well, we had a little discussion um, off off camera, I was going to say, <laughs> off air. Arlie was asking Dan and Megan uh, from Hope Project International. Uh, go ahead, Arlie. Ask it on air. Yeah. Um, I, Dan, I just wanted to have you expand a little bit on you know, some of your educational outreach and, and, and projects that you know, work with the kids and teaching them life skills. Absolutely. The, the church we partner with out in the, in, the, in the community we're in has all sorts of programs for the kids to come to. You know, they have English classes. Uh, they have a bakery program. Uh, there's a sewing co-op for women to learn how to sew and then use that skill to provide for their families. Uh, there's a, we actually started a baseball program, uh, Baseball in the Barrio, where we've actually taken pro players down there to do skills training and to speak into the kids' lives. And we, uh, the biggest thing, the next project we want to do there is to build a kind of a second story on the building and have a computer lab to get the kids' hands on computers so they can learn those skills and kind of increase their earning capacity as they, as they grow older. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you know, it's, it's I, I just wanted that, to know, I, just one second, because um, I'm kind of interested in knowing if, like, Africa, there's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of uh, money exchanging hands in order to do things. Is it like that in Nicaragua? Do you have to pay people, you know, to, oh, I'm going to bring this computer in. Oh, here's 10 bucks. I'm going to bring this in. Here's 20 bucks. Do you have a lot of that? With bribery through customs and things like that, we don't, we, yeah. they um, are curious when we bring things into the country, they want to look at it and they want to see it. But we've never had to bribe anyone or we've never had to wear lost materials um, coming into the country, which we're really fortunate and grateful for. So it is easy for us to, to, to bring things in to help the kids. So if you wanted, if people wanted to donate computers or help out, would you bring, how would you ship them? Would you bring like a container or how would you ship it in? What's the easiest way? I'll start with contacting the airlines and seeing if we could get some um, luggage, do- like luggage weight donation. I know they do do things like that um, and, and take them over that way. Um, it is very expensive to ship things to Nicaragua, and it takes a long time. And so, um, so we would, I think, we would start with. Yeah, and you can actually purchase a lot of things in Nicaragua. You know that, oh. that it'd be more cost effective sometimes to get it there than to try to bring it. And so right. The- and it helps the economy, too. Yeah, we have the resources, and we can pour it into that community without paying, you know, double, triple what we would, you know, pay for it in the States. And, and it's always an option to get it there if it's cost-effective. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that we don't run out of time for this. So I'm going to ask everybody. We'll start with you guys, Stan and Megan. Um, again, how can we donate to your cause? How can we uh, – where do we go? Right. If you go to hopeprojectintl.com and check out what we're doing, you can give. Uh, you can set up monthly giving. You can give towards certain projects. You can buy a shirt that feeds kids. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways. 
it's really to give financially online or, or even just find out our address and send a check. And then also go with us. Sign up on for a trip to go to Nicaragua and build homes with us. And all that information for our trips is on our website. And I'm just going to give a shout out to Great Positive because that's where I found you with Carol on Great Positive. Um, Will, are you still with us? Did he go? Okay. Um, he's Yeah, he left. Okay. Well, you can go and, and find the band. Um, it's called Illiteracy. So it's I-L-L hyphen literacy.com. And you can go to their band page and, and check out their music and find them. And then, Tori Nicole, how do people find you? Um, you can get on Twitter at double NW. And when you get on there, um, everything is on there. The uh, Facebook which is really cool because my little brother and I, we just did a new video and um, telling the kids to have good behavior over the holiday season. So I'd love for you guys to check that out on the Facebook page. Um, just search EJ Insist. Um, the website, it's a kind of long website. So if you want to get on the website, just hit up double NW, um, uh, at double NW on Twitter. Oh, awesome. also, um, we, yes, we also have a Kickstarter, um, really trying to raise money for marketing really trying to go after millennials, um, not just millennials, you know, everyone, but definitely millennials because, you know, they are, uh, that is a huge market. And so sure. if anyone wants to, you know, get on Kickstarter and look up EJ and Sis, we love the support. Awesome. Good stuff. And, <laughs> you know, I, random thoughts here. We're talking about family and, and Thanksgiving's coming for those of, mm-hmm. uh, who live in the U.S. And I had this thought this morning, Arlie, what do vegetarians look forward to on Thanksgiving? Broccoli. Probably <laughs> sweets. No, no, they're looking forward to the sweets, probably. <laughs> no, you know, that's funny because I, I don't eat sweet food. I, I've never had a sweet tooth ever in my life. Really? You're so well, lucky. We don't eat, yeah, we don't eat meat. Uh, yeah, so. Oh, you don't? You're vegetarian? Well, not really. Okay, I shouldn't say we don't eat meat. Uh, the only meat that I eat is turkey. Um, oh, I'll let Jay eat, yeah, I let Jay eat turkey and uh, and chicken, but we don't eat beef or pork or anything else. Okay. Wow. And Thanavika, what kind of food are they eating in Nicaragua? What would be the national food? Uh, well, there's a... It's, it's a national fish called gallo pinto, and it, they're very proud of it, and it's basically rice and beans mixed together. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the, 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 the mission or wherever you go, they, they don't do the turkey thing down there. No, no. Okay, that wouldn't make sense. Well, I, I I don't have that problem here. I have to do a turkey every year because my Mexican family is close enough to the border that they want to have American holidays. Oh, well, you know, I saw I saw some of the American influence. I'm in Canada, and I saw some of the American influence uh, just yesterday because I I saw an ad for deep fried turkey. I'm like, oh yeah, that's American man. Like only Americans would make something more fattening. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, my aunt. I remember, you know, there were my aunt. She passed away of cancer in 2013, and I remember yes. her the um doing the uh, fried turkey the first time she ever did it. She almost burned the house down. Oh my gosh! I can't even yeah, I've, imagine I've heard that story a lot. Deep fried People turkey. Created, oh, created gives fire. me the willies. Gives me the willies. And then, do you guys have um, Megan? Do you do you have a you you belong to a church in Florida? I'm assuming because you're pastors. Do you have your own church? Well, yeah, we were pastors for ten years. Now, Hope Project is what we do. And so oh, okay. We- Connected to a church, we have a home church, and then we partner with several churches all over America. 
kind of try to get the work done there. All right. You know, I love your video. I love your video. You, you look like you absolutely belong together. How did you meet? We actually met in college, uh, Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. And they just had very similar passions, very similar, you know, dreams in life. And uh, she's very, very beautiful. And, uh, That's true. Yeah, so we class together, so I asked her to study, and the rest is kind of history. Now, well, and you know, it's, re it's really nice to see, you know, younger generations taking on the volunteer and philanthropic identity because it's so easy these days to, to chase after fame and fortune and such. And it's just really refreshing to see that. Yeah, thank you. It really is. Yes, I, it's beautiful spirit. Yeah, I agree. Volunteering <laughs> is very important. As a matter of fact, my little brother and I, um, the first week of December, we are going to be doing a lot of stuff with Salvation Army. Um, ever since we moved back home, we uh, it's very important to me that we do stuff with Salvation Army. So we're getting ready to do some stuff with them um, the first week of December. I like that. All of my kids volunteer and do things, and and um, I think it's it's you know in schools in Canada, and I think they have it in the U.S. You have to do forty hours of community service in order to graduate, and I you know it's very little. 40 hours, really. And it gives them a little, you know, touch of it. But as parents, you know, our children, they, they, um, they see what we do. And if you are someone who does volunteer in the community, most likely your children are going to do the same thing. And so it is important to set that example. Right. And, and doing it as a family as well. I think that's yeah. really quite important. We, we often, I mean, as you know, I have my nephew, that yep. Gray's, Gray's nephew is with us now, and that's one of the things we do, is that we go out and do that as a family. That's what I want to do this Christmas. All my kids said we don't want, my kids are grown up, but they all said we don't want gifts this year. And, and so I said, well, you know, it'd be great to go out and give gifts to other people then. That would be fun. Yeah. Let's yeah. go do that. that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it comes a point you don't need any more stuff. Well, and also the, another part of good gift giving is looking for organizations like the Hope Project and and um, good books and and such that you can donate to other children who may not have parents to buy those books for them, or or for the Hope Project who is helping children who don't have families. I mean, there are so many good things we can do in the way or in, in lieu of giving gifts to each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering if Hope Project, if if is there a, a scholarship fund, or do, are, are there any kids ready to go to university that maybe could be helped? Oh, we actually, uh, we for the first time we are sending kids to school, you know, elementary, middle school, and and we're doing that. And then also, there's one student that we are trying to put through college. He's in a five-year program, wants to do graphic design, and his education oh. is literally seven hundred and eighty dollars a year for university. And so, wow. even. Yeah. We've been able to raise the money for him to go to college um, for two years and one month so far. And so, That's great. Um, yeah. so, and then also we're sending 45 elementary school age children to school starting in February. Um, and so, fantastic. About that well. That's just, you know, to go to school there is free, you know, at the elementary level. But oh, good. You've got to have a uniform and shoes. Right. And, and, yeah. So That's what costs money. Uh, for forty five dollars we can send a kid to school for the year and literally change. Forty five dollars. Wow. That's incredible. Well let's keep that in mind. Uh if you're listening to the show, reach out to Hope Hope Project and International and, and let's see if we can't send a few kids to school. I love that. I like it when it's simple like that. You know, forty five dollars, send a kid to school. Boom. Right. Done. 
Yeah, and I think Notoria's book would be great Christmas presents for kids. Yeah, as well. it's a right? really good book. And and something you might consider doing, hon, is is having them translated into Spanish. Yes, yeah, I was. Yes, you know, someone else um, mentioned that, and I'm I'm on that. I'm on it. Because yeah, we was... have we we have a hard time finding um, Spanish um, American idea books. For, for okay. students here. And, and what I mean to say by that is, you know, our, our cultures are different and sometimes they don't understand what we mean. And, and for me, right. I teach a lot of kids um, Spanish, English, so that would be a great tool. Okay. Nice. I'm on it. Oh, look at that. You see? Family. We started off with family. And it's really families, you know, just helping people and being kind to people. And, you know, everybody can be your family. The friends that you choose for yourself or your family. And right. I love and it. as you said earlier, you know, our families come in so many different forms now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, they do. And, you know, when I'm sure when Dan and Megan go back to Nicaragua, it's family. They're family to those kids, and they look forward to seeing them. And, you know, Notoria, you know, we, you and Jay um, are family, and, and it might not look traditional, but it is what it is. You know, it is. That's right. It is what it is. You are definitely It is right. what it is. <laughs> Arlie, you're my family. I love you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you as well. And what's amazing is we're we're actually a whole country apart. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> Toby is my favorite family. And we are out of time for this Frankie Sense and more. But please come back next week and join us because I have another fantastic show. And thank you to each of my guests and to Arlie for joining me today and being a part of this show. I oh, really thank appreciate you, everyone. it. Take care, everybody, and we will see you next week. Have a great holiday. Have a wonderful holiday. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in, and please download the show. Bye now. Turn the world